Hello and welcome back to Tachikawa. You are listening to Sakamichi Nights, coming to you on a Friday again. This is a regular thing for us now. How are you today, Daniel Bellamy? I'm great. Do you want, sorry, do you want me to elaborate? Yes, I do. Uh, really, really great. Okay, why is that? Uh, man, elaborate. This is a real, so much more than I expected. It's a real stumper, this one. We don't, we don't go this in-depth into my, my general condition right at the start of the show. Mm. We're going to wait until I'm, I'm a, a few beers into it. You lie down on the couch and tell me about your feelings. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, it's been a good week in the bar. It's been cold, but people are still coming in to drink cold beer. You ever think about doing a hot beer? No, and I'll tell you why not. Because I've had a hot beer at... Uh, Bakshu Kobo, I believe it's called, mm-hmm. Chiraline Brewery and Brew Pub. They served a hot beer once. Okay. And it was, Intentionally. Yes, it was disgusting. It was supposed to be drunk hot. It was served hot. It was awful. Beer should be cold. Tea should be hot. It was it, it was some kind of traditional style that's meant to be served hot, as I'm guessing. No, they were just like, we've invented a new beer and it's supposed <laughs> it's to be served beer. hot. No, you haven't. You've just made some terrible beer and served it hot. Interesting. Speaking of hot things, yeah, one of our regular customers, and in fact, uh, joint guestingest guest on this podcast, Tyler, or as he now likes to be known, P Funk, yeah, uh, was in here the other day. Don't he, dead name him, P Funk. Uh, he has just been to Florida, where he comes from, mm. uh, for Christmas and New Year, and he told me uh, an anecdote about a New Year's party that he ended up. This is a very Florida detail drifting to on an out of gasoline boat across a lake yeah. and he ended up at this party where there was a pool there were fireworks there were shots there was pizza and it was hosted by one of the creators of the modern warfare franchise right so it got me thinking what is the wildest party you have ever been to well, man i don't know if i can top that i also heard uh p funk's story about that um I, I I would have to say that I don't think I've ever uh, I don't think I've ever gone to anything good by way of a boat that was out of gas. Right. Only bad things have happened to you in that kind of situation. I mean, you're you're asking for it, aren't you? Right. That's a horror movie setup. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't think I've ever been to any really crazy parties. I did I did kind of narrowly miss uh, Doom when uh, like a floor in a house collapsed at a at a kind of uh, too many people in an old shitty house on campus uh, party that happened at my university. Right. I left before the the floor collapsed. I went home at a sensible hour because you know I had classes and studying to 4 do. Four a.m. Yeah, something like that. It wasn't that late. I'm sure we just rambled down the street to the next party. But uh, yeah, at some point that evening, I didn't find out till the next day. But apparently, floor gave in. Was everyone okay? Uh, there were some injuries. Nobody died, but uh, yeah, there were some injuries. Floor collapsing. You know, there's people everywhere, right? There's people under that floor. There's people on that floor. So uh, some bad things were going to happen, but nobody died. Okay. Well, that does sound like a pretty wild party. Yeah. Like I said, I wasn't there. I was at, you know, in bed getting ready for class the next day. Great. Well, you've really answered my question there. So, so thanks for that. Yep. Brewery update. What about what? you? What about What's your me? wild party history? Uh, well, I had a house party when I finished secondary school or high school, as you might call it. Mm. And um, some of the people who I invited, my friends, you might call them, decided to push the hay bale that uh, my parents had bought 
for our our chickens to to use. Okay. They pushed it down a hill and into a river, mm-hmm. uh, and so the next morning I made them push it out again. All right. Yes. Okay. That was pretty wild. And back up the hill. Yes, and back up the hill. Bring that shit back up here. But it was soaking wet. That's a problem, I guess. Is it? Or is it? I don't know. I don't know know much about hay bales. It was quite a long time ago. So uh, all of the other details are a little hazy now. Mm, Okay. Brewery update. Yes. Let's move on. Uh, It's been a busy week in the brewery. Uh, We've actually had two brew days, uh, which is the first time we've done that in a week. Back-to-back brew days. Back-to-back brew days, Tuesday and Wednesday. On Tuesday, we made uh, a hazy IPA. What we hope will be a hazy IPA when it comes out. Uh, The next in our Haze Craze series. People like the hazy IPAs. People do like hazy IPAs. That is correct. And on Wednesday, we made um, what will probably be a hoppy Pilsner um, when it comes out of the tank. Uh, And in addition to that, we dry hopped uh, the hazy IPA, which was very exciting. Very, very, uh, I would wager more exciting than you would hope it normally would be. It was almost as exciting as a P-Funk party. Almost. But not quite. Not quite. So um, dry hopping is the process of adding hops to the beer once it's already in the fermentation tank. Right? We add hops during the boil when we're making the beer to extract bitterness and to extract flavor and a little bit of aroma. How long you boil them for changes how much bitterness or flavor or aroma you're left with at mm. the end of it. Um, and then we also add hops to the tank, mainly just to get aroma out of them. And for hazy IPAs, that's quite a big part of the final product, is dry hopping the beer during active fermentation. So that's what we were trying to do yesterday. I was taking measurements from the tank all day, waiting till about 60% of the starting sugar had been converted into alcohol. And that's the timing at which we add the dry hops through a little port on the top of the tank. So I release the pressure of the tank, climb up there on a ladder, three cups of hops, pour them in through the port. Simple, right? Yeah, sure. It, it, it all seems very simple. Yep. From your perspective, would you like to describe what happened next? Uh, the first two, they weren't cups, right? They were pitchers. Pitchers. I'm not sure how much two was going in there. Two liter pitchers of, there were about 900 grams uh, of hops in each one. I was the, uh, I was the pitcher, the pitcher pitcher. Yeah. I was pitching and them up to you. Does that make me the catcher? Uh, sure. The pitcher catcher. So I, you put the first one in, I hand you the next one, you put the next one in. Everything seemed to be going according to plan. I handed you the third one and you put the third one in. Uh, and then, I mean, it, it seemed like this was a little bit unexpected, but uh, like liquid foam immediately began shooting out of the, the top of the tank uh, all over the place, hit the ceiling, like spraying out in all directions. The door, the sliding door to the tap room was open at the time. People were watching you in all your glory when this happened. It the got Wednesday very, evening show, yes. Yeah, the Wednesday, yes, the Wednesday evening show. Uh, it got very quickly shut as people realized they were in the front row of a Gallagher show. They were in the splash zone. Um, and then you, you were up there desperately trying to get, it was a tri-clamp. So there, there's a few different parts that go together to put the top back on that and close it. And you were trying to do this while it was kind of furiously erupting out of this port. A hop volcano is what we call that in the business. Mm, um, so while the, uh, while the beer is fermenting, there is lots of carbon dioxide that is in solution in the beer. It's dissolved in the beer. So when you pour the hops in, and they dissolve into a powder in the beer that provides nucleation points, points for bubbles to form around the 
the powdery hops. Mm. And if a lot of that happens all at the same time, then you're going to get a lot of CO2 released all at the same mm. time. Say three pitchers worth. <laughs> so from my perspective, the first thing that I felt was a wave of CO2 passing over me. Right. And that's when I realized that something very wrong was about to happen. <laughs> So I grabbed the uh, the lid and the gasket and desperately tried to jam it on. Mm. But um, the pressure was just a bit too high and the gasket wouldn't sit on straight. Yeah. So I'm on the top of a ladder trying to put this put lid back on and screw a tri-clamp back onto this thing whilst beer is spraying, let's say, all over me. Mm. Uh, and I was also aware that my phone was in my pocket during nice. this whole procedure. Yeah. That survived, you'll be glad to hear. Um, but my T-shirt and trousers got rather sticky and wet, mm. which is... Those are washable, though, eh? Yes, that is often how I like to end my Wednesday evenings. Um, but yeah, hopefully we didn't lose too much beer. It did make quite a mess all over the windows and floor and me and the ladder and just about everything else in the brewery. Um, but I have to say, it smelled pretty delicious while mm. I was doing that. Sure did. It's good that you grabbed the uh, the three parts that, that needed to go back on to, to put the the lid back together, right? Right. Because it was spraying out and, and, you know, it could have easily washed those things down onto the floor. Right. And then we just wouldn't have been able to close it until it kind of died down. Right? right, right. Or found another one or, yeah, I mean, we would have been in, in more trouble. So good, quick thinking on your part. Perhaps it was the blast of CO2 that heightened your senses. Maybe. There's a bit of time dilation, right? <laughs> you, everything slowed down for a moment and I, I was trying desperately to get that clamp closed again. Unfortunately, the gasket just got blown out slightly by the pressure of the beer erupting out, so I couldn't quite get it on until the pressure had subsided a bit. But uh, yeah, everybody watching got to see uh, our first ever hop volcano in here. Good times. How uh, how many more times do you think that will happen? Hopefully zero. Okay. Hopefully zero. That's good. Um, I think what we've learned is two pitches of hops, okay. Three pitches of hops, not okay. Yeah. So we'll take that knowledge and move forwards with it. And we had to erase the uh, the counter as well, right? We had to set it back to zero. This, this brewery has been zero days since a hop volcano. We, we got to put a one on it today, so it's a, new, it's a fresh beginning. This brewery has been one day without a dumb yeah. so far. Well, you know, there's things that you don't know about. There are a few here. hours to go yet in yeah. the day. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, that beer is still merrily fizzing away, uh, and so hopefully... Maybe not this weekend, but next weekend or the following weekend, it will be ready for release. Haze Craze colon Hop Volcano or something like that. Mm. We'll end up calling it, I'm sure. Look forward to it. Yep. We're not just here to talk about me getting sticky and wet, though, are we? What are we here to discuss on this podcast? Me getting sticky and wet. All right. Prepare yourself. (laughs) Right. Let me tell you all about it. Uh, Today, I'm going to get sticky and wet with... The triumphant return of Oni Cohen Kolsch. Excellent. The beer that we make together with our good friends at Devilcraft. Yeah. Over there. Um, you've been there for the brew day before, haven't I you? I have, yeah. They have a very interesting brew space. Yeah. How does that look? Uh, I mean, for anybody who didn't listen last week. Yeah. Uh, which is almost everybody. Which is, which, yeah. So no one Six listened to it. Six billion people. Ever. Uh, we did talk about this last week, though. We did, yes. Okay. So the brewery is on two floors, uh, and the, the second floor is where they have the, the brew house, and then it's kind of gravity-fed down into the first floor where they have all of the tanks. Um, and they have a whole bunch of tanks, a whole lot of tanks, and they're big tanks, so they can make a lot of beer. They can double batch in the brew house. 
Um, and then they can have all kinds of things on the go, which they need because if you've been to any of their four restaurants, I think there are four outlets now, uh, they usually have about 15 of their beers on tap, usually 17 to 20 uh, beers total, one cider in there. Um, but they have 15 different of their own beers on tap at four different locations. So they re- they need to be cranking out the beer. Right. Not like a, a modest little establishment like ours. They, they need to be brewing pretty regularly. And uh, what can you tell us before we even drink it? What do you want to tell us about this beer that we have cranked out together with Devilcraft? Uh, to my understanding, a Kolsch is a, a, a German summertime ale. Mm. And uh, it's traditionally... Uh, a Kolsch is made through a, uh, what would you call it? It's, it's not quite, it's like a lager-esque fermentation with ale yeast. So you use ale yeast, but you ferment it, uh, cold at at a colder temperature, like a lagery temperature for a longer time, like a lager. Is that correct? Or am I way off base? Yeah, I, I think that's basically it. Um, so it's, uh, an ale yeast that is fermented at a lager temperature. So 15 degrees as opposed to 20 degrees. So you get quite a, a crisp finish, mm. um, but still made with an ale yeast. And this one is hopped with a whole bunch of New Zealand and Australian hops. Mm. So it's got an interesting southern hemisphere and a tropical fruit flavor. Why don't we just dive on into it? Kolsch is one of the most strictly defined beer styles in Germany. According to the Convention, it is a pale, highly attenuated, hoppy, bright, top-fermenting beer and must be brewed according to the Reinheitsgebot. Kolsch is warm-fermented with top-fermenting yeast and cold-conditioned at temperatures like a lager. Oh. The brewing process is similar to that used for Dusseldorf's alt beer. Okay. Do you think uh, our version of a Kolsch matches up? To one of those descriptors in terms of process sure uh i think that um uh for those kind of like pale highly attenuated hoppy and bright i think it all it matches that for sure but i think if if you're a real kolsch head those which exist, i am yeah which you are obviously i think if you're a real kolsch head uh this beer may not be for you right this is it's not a traditional kolsch, kolsch. Interestingly, uh, Devilcraft make a, a much more kind of traditional by the book Kolsch called Rhineland Whispers, right. which is great. Yeah. Uh, very, very nice. But if you come to our place, you won't find that, but you will find Oni Cohen, which is more like an updated version of a Kolsch, right? Not updated, but like a modern take on a Kolsch. I'm going to offend. No Kolsch heads listen to this, do they? Except for you. You're assuming that I listen to this podcast, but uh, mm. yeah. I, I do think that we match all those descriptors, though. It is highly attenuated, by which that means that almost all of the sugar has been fermented out. So it's a, it's quite a dry beer, isn't mm. it? Often if people come in and they say, what have you got that is most like a normal beer? Mm. I will point them towards Oni Koen yeah. because it is dry, like a Japanese macro lager. Um, it is hoppy. Uh, it's It's not particularly bitter this beer but it uses a lot of hops Mm -hmm. in the whirlpool and in the dry hops as well so it's got a lot of really interesting hop aroma and flavor um it's certainly bright it's very clear it looks like a lager as well which i think helps people who 
who are, who are coming to craft beer for the first time, mm-hmm. right? Just the appearance of it can can give them a sense of uh, reassurance, right? That set this them is, at ease. Set them at ease. This is a beer that I recognize as a beer. It's similar mm-hmm. to things that I have seen before. Uh, and it is uh, made with a top fermenting yeast. So I think we, we do match all of those things. The difference is the kind of hops that we use. So your traditional German Kolsch would be made with German noble hops, having a more kind of herby and noble character to them. Whereas our New Zealand and Australian hops have a much more... Scoundrelly Scoundrelly, yeah. uh, tropical fruity, maybe candy-like, mm-hmm. possibly even a tiny bit of bubblegum in their mm. character to it. What do you think of the, the flavor and the aroma of this one? I do get a bit of the uh, the candy-like bubblegum nature, and uh, too much of that bubblegum can really put me off of beers, but it's quite light in this. I also find that there's a lot of uh, lovely light fruit character in this. I taste a bit of, like, um, uh, both in the aroma and on the palate, a bit of, uh, like, white peaches and... Uh, and grapes, like yellow grapes, green grapes kind of color, uh, kind of flavor, excuse me. Um, not heavy, not heavy or rich fruits, but real kind of light flavored sweet fruits in there. Um, I don't know. I like this beer a lot. This has long been, uh, if I go cycling and end my ride here, which happens often uh, for various reasons, uh, if Oni Cohen is on tap, that's usually the first beer I go for when I come in after a long bike ride. It's really refreshing um, and suits that kind of uh, that mood well. Oni Cohen being one of the reasons that you finish your bike rides here. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I certainly, when I have finished a hot day in the brew house, if I come out here and I want to have a beer, Oni Cohen is going to be one of the first ones that I reach for. As you say, extremely refreshing especially after being sweating. Possibly Tuesday and Wednesday this week, I was the only man in Tachikawa who's going, God, it's pretty hot in here. This mm. is way too hot. I need to open the door and get this fan on. I was in a t-shirt all day, even when I went outside. Uh, and even after I'd been soaked with beer. Uh, every time we try beer on the podcast, we also like to pair it with one of eight things. So, of course, we can't have the two most recent pairings, which were, of course... Uh, location and drinking companion. Now we did both of those in one episode. Is that that's fine? We did. Yeah, we doubled them up, didn't we? Okay. Do we want to? Is it? So I'm just curious about the rule. Is it the last two that we had, or is it the last two episodes that we had? Uh, so if so, we're knocking three off. I don't care. Okay. Let's just roll the dice and find out. Number three, music. All right, we're in the clear. Good. What's it going to be? What are you listening to? What's on the cans as you're sitting in your beanbag chair, sipping an Oni Cohen Kelsch? Uh, I'm going to take it back to... You know what? We were talking about university house parties. Correct. Uh, I, I often put on 90s music in here. It's the music of my me going to high school and university. Um so 90s uh, rock. I have a 90s hip-hop and R&B playlist that I put on quite often. Um, I don't know. I enjoy that, right? I think everybody yeah. has a real connection to the music that they listen to. Some, some, sometimes a shameful Dragons. connection. There's a few things that, that I think everybody has a few bands that they liked when they were younger that now they feel a bit a bit cringe about. But, uh, 
but a lot of that stuff like has a ton of meaning and a ton of good memories appreciate uh like attached to it uh, anyway, this is a fun beer. I, I want to drink this and have a party at which the potentially the floor falls in or the boat runs out of gas and we end up at a rich person's house and the floor falls in at his house. I don't, I don't care, but something along those lines. Uh, I want to drink this beer and the music that's playing is uh, Fuel Me Flow by Naughty by Nature on repeat. And how does that one go? Uh, I'm not going to sing that. Uh, everybody who is from my era knows how that song goes. You're going to give us just a couple of bars? No. I, I don't know what that song is. I appreciate you trying to bait me into this, but that's not going to happen. You can you can very easily splice Is it that one about jumping audio. around? Uh, it's not the one about jumping around. What, what is the main theme the one of about, that song then? It's about feeling me flow. I'm not sure how mm. you're not picking this up. I certainly felt that beer flow yesterday. You did. All over you. Uh, who did you say it was by? Naughty by Nature. And where are they from? Uh, God, I don't know. The U.S. somewhere. All right. Uh, what kind of party would you like to be at whilst this is going off? Like I said, I don't care as long as the floor falls in. The floor it's does fall my in. my priority, yeah. Okay. And you're going to be on top of or underneath the floor when it falls in? Nah, there's no injuries. It's going to be like a uh, it's going to be like a carnival ride kind of thing. Turn carnival ride is what? called house party. Okay. And it's a big house and there's a floor that, that falls in, but no one gets hurt because it's a, it's a carnival ride. And, and Feel Me Flow is playing the whole time. Sounds like a loop, pretty, infinite loop. The whole night. Yeah, well, at the ride, at that at the house party ride. Wow, this uh, sounds like quite a time. How are you going to keep all the plaster dust out of your beer? Do you have some kind of sippy cup? It's a carnival ride. It's meant to look like. Right. You know, there's not actual so plaster just, dust uh, going around. Dry smoke or something like that. There's no danger, right? There's just that, that the, the free fall feeling momentarily. Mm. Let's see screams of young co-eds but it's all it's recorded from from a house party where the floor actually did fall in yes this is getting more and more contrived anyway it sounds like a pretty good time uh, i just hope you managed to keep all the beer in your glass as you're being dropped on this carnival ride that you know what that's something i didn't think about the tower of terror yeah. imagine taking a beer on the tower of terror you just you just leave it at the top. <laughs> Finish the whole thing. Yeah, it would be like a Lady Students cartoon yeah. where it stays in the glass shape as you tumble down. That's a good choice. Okay, uh, I'm going to have to look up that song later on. It's um, in our liked songs playlist. I'm sure it is. Yeah. I, I'm sure I recognize it as soon as I, I heard the first mm. few bars. Uh, I have <clears throat> recently been on a bit of a Fleetwood Mac kick. Okay. What's your favorite Fleetwood Mac song? Uh, man, you know what? I've listened to a lot of Fleetwood Mac, but uh, without looking at the titles of the songs. So I'm going to say, I don't know. Great. Uh, I would like to drink this beer whilst listening to the Fleetwood Mac song, Rhiannon. Okay. Yeah, that one? Let's have a bit of it. Maybe I'll, I'll recognize it. Uh, but specifically, uh, the live version. Uh, the album version is good, yep. but the live version goes a lot harder. Okay. And Stevie Nicks opens by saying, this is a song about an old Welsh witch, which I think more more people should just open open songs. Just by anything. Openly stating, that. this is a book about the loneliness of being a human being. That should oh, be the, I thought the, they were the just going to be about an old Welsh witch. <laughs> okay, right, everything. Uh, Moby Dick. This is a book about an old Welsh witch. Yeah, just whatever. Uh, but yeah, I quite like that uh, when somebody opens the, the piece of art they've made by just 
stating outright what it is about. No, this is what it's about. You don't have to interpret it. I'm just going to tell you what it's about. Uh, And similarly, I think this beer, it's all out there, right? It's just all up front. Yeah. It's uh, it's clean, it's hoppy, it's bright, it's tropical, and it's very refreshing. Mm. You get all of that right away. So that's why I'm choosing the excellent Fleetwood Mac song, Rhiannon, which I'm sure you would recognize, similar to Feel I'm Me I'm certain Glow, I would, yeah. As soon as you heard, heard the first few bars. Let's get weird for a minute. That's... Okay. Shirts off. Uh, if you're an artist and you make something, like you have made something with the intention, right? There's some meaning to it. Let's say you write a song. Okay. Yeah, like or make a beer. It has some kind of meaning to it. Let, we can take it to beer eventually, but I couldn't quite figure that out when I started this. You make a song. You've written it with some message, some kind of life experience mm. involved, right? So that it that is a reality. There is this one meaning of the song that exists. But then people who listen to that listen to it in their own frame of mind and with their own shit going on, and they're going to take it in their own way, and they might interpret it completely different from how you intended it in the beginning. Right. Right. So now there exists like, you know, infinite, infinite versions of the reality of that song, right? Infinite versions of the meaning of that song. Uh, if you create art, you create it with some kind of intention or some kind of message, but uh, it gets muddled. Yes. The, the meaning gets created when the people, when people perceive it, right? When they listen to the song. Okay. Uh, so it's a little bit weird to just come out. I mean, it, on one hand, I feel like it must be frustrating for an artist to be like, no, this song is about a Welsh witch. It's not about your teenage boyfriend that you broke up with, right? Like, old stop Welsh it. witch. Yes, but yeah, it's not about that young Welsh witch that you think it's about. She's old. Uh, so I can understand how that's frustrating, but that is, that's part of creating art, right? The, the art, you know, the art exists as an object, as a song or as a sculpture, but really the art exists in the space in between the person who views it, who, who you know, views it or experiences it. And the object itself, right? That interpretation is is actually the art. So I think it's kind of interesting that she felt the need to come out and be like, "Let me tell you what this song is about." I, I understand. She was frustrated or something that people were saying like, "Oh yeah, clearly she wrote this about this, that, and the other thing." And she was like, "No, man, no, that's not right." Yeah, I understand the point you're making, but what if that statement was also part of the sort of meta narrative of the song? And it's not actually about an old Welsh witch. Okay. But she's just putting that out there as an extra bit of imagery right. for people to analyze. Just diluting things or talk about food coloring in the water. Uh, afterwards. Mm. Like, um, you know, have you ever done that experiment where you eat different colored jellies and the flavor that they are doesn't match the color that they are? Like no, the, I haven't, but I get it. The pink one is yeah. pineapple flavored mm. or something. Right. And your brain kind of short circuits. Mm-hmm. And the pink one will still taste like strawberries, right. even though it's not that flavor. Mm. But if somebody says to you before you eat it, this one tastes like pineapple, right. you're more likely to pick it up. Or maybe you get a confused melange mm. of flavors. Maybe that's what Stevie was trying to do. Stevie, I know you're listening. Uh, you have a, a tour planned yeah. for, for later this year, I believe. Stop by. Yeah, why don't you uh, stop by on, on your Tokyo dates? We'd be happy to host you. Um, Settle this once here. and for all. Uh, maybe you could sing both of these songs that we've uh, talked about this evening. Certainly that would be quite a performance. Mm. Uh, interesting pairings this week. It was music, right? <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot in mind. It was a location. We were at a carnival. There's a activity. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But anyway, yes, music. Uh, Feel Me Flow by Naughty by Nature. And how does that one go? Uh, you know, you can look it up. 
Moving on. Uh, as we said before, Onikine is a collaboration beer that we made together with our good friends at Devilcraft. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, now that we have our own brewery in here, in our space, in Tachikawa, do you think that we should continue to do collaboration beers with other breweries? I do, yes. Why? Uh, there, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. We talked about doing collaborations before. I think maybe when we went down to Gnomecraft, we, we talked about this topic specifically. But um, it's fun, first of all. It's just enjoyable to work with other people. It can be educational to find out how another brewery does things or uh, have another brewer come in and say, I really like this hop or we've been doing this technique or whatever. Um, that can be very useful for our, our own bag of tricks. Um, but I, I think there are also practical reasons as a small brewery. Like we only have three tanks here. So um, we can put out a lot of beer, but supplementing that with beers that are made on other people's systems is, is quite useful for us. Uh, as a small brewery until we get another tank or two put in so it's a bit of a mix right like number one is we enjoy it and it's fun uh, but there are also practical reasons to do it as well Um, additionally we do it on someone else's system we might be using their kegs and keg stock like how many kegs you have and how many kegs are out delivered to other bars and keeping track of them and how many have been returned and how many empty ones you have available for a beer that's sitting in the tank. That's something that needs to be managed. So making a beer at another brewery and putting it in their kegs means they have to deal with that problem. Mm. Always good to shovel our problems onto other people. That's, that's how I live my life. Yeah, I think for me, the the main thing of the points that you raised there is the sort of uh, the educational aspect of it, right? It's really interesting to go to other people's breweries or even just to discuss methods of making beer with other people uh, and to share ideas and to share techniques because a lot of working in a brewery is just problem solving right you you have an idea for a beer that you want to try and make but then you have to figure out how to use the ingredients that are available to you and the equipment that you have in order to realize that vision to get the thing that's in your brain into a glass Mm. somehow and you know, you can do research and you can probably find a solution for it, but somebody else may have come up with a completely different solution or a completely different way of doing things. They may have figured out a, a different supplier for ingredients mm-hmm. that you hadn't even thought right. of. And sharing those ideas um, can be really helpful and really instructive sometimes mm. as well. You come away from the experience uh, richer in some way. Hopefully you both do. Yeah. Sometimes you just ask a lot of questions and write it all down. Mm. But uh, other times you're able to, to share information and to share ideas about how to do things. I'm really excited to be on the, on the hosting brewery side of this. Like up until now, we've been going to other breweries. Right. Not so much hat in hand, but kind of hat in hand. Yeah. Please, sir, can we use your brewery? Uh and now we're able to look down on people who come to us in such a state. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Are we going to get like chairs that are a little bit taller than other chairs in here so that when we sit down that they know what's going on? Mm. Platform shoes of some kind. Something like that. Yeah. Extra long ties. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, all the, all the symbols of real power. 
no, I, it's going to be fun, I think, to to have people come in here and make a beer in here with us. Uh, we've been on on the the side of going to other people's places up until now, and it's going to be nice to be the host for that kind of thing. Definitely, yeah. And then we will have to figure out what to do with the cakes, right? We, we will be oh, the one having that issue. Oh, damn it! Yeah, I didn't think about that. But yeah, I, I, I would look forward to that uh, and be interested in hosting a few collaborations or even, you know, sometimes it's interesting to work with people who don't know that much about the beer making process, mm. but maybe own a restaurant or own a bar and want to have an original beer for it yeah. and to walk through the design process with them because sometimes like, having to spell something out for somebody or having to explain your own process for how you come up with these ideas can help you to understand your own process sure. even better. Mm. Uh, so yeah, we don't have any collaborations scheduled as of yet, but who knows? Over the next few months, some of those might come to fruition. Mm. We might be able to, to work a few of those things out. Right now, though, all the tanks are full. We have beer in all three of our fermenters, uh, and so you can look forward to those being released hopefully uh, over the next month or so. Mm. Speaking of things being released, do we have anything coming up in the fridge or on the taps? A little disappointed that the microphone didn't pick up on your your eyebrow raise at me. We have a a separate mic on my eyebrows. (laughs) Do we have anything coming up on tap or in the fridge or anywhere else do you think people ought to know about I, I, we just took a delivery from Cardinal Trading, which is the importer for the Virginia Beer Company, which is a brewery that you and I both love. Yes. Uh, and we, speaking of collaborations, we did a collaboration with them a while back, a virtual collaboration in which you worked together with the brewmaster at VBC. That was very exciting. To come up with a recipe uh, in a series that they did that we also now do, uh, Berliner Weiss with some kind of fruit in it. Mm. Uh, so that's a German wheat beer. Uh, and in this case, it has yuzu in it, yuzu puree in it. So we made our version, and it, it was very popular, sold out very quickly. And we finally got our hands on uh, the West, uh, excuse me, the Virginia Beer Company version. Uh, so we got cans of that and a keg, which Ooh. I'm pretty stoked about. I put the cans out on sale today, so they are in the fridge already. If you want that, you can come and get it immediately that is ready for you to grab right uh, now and the keg will go on i don't know when it goes on yeah so figure out when that's gonna happen we, we'll probably make a big fuss about that we so should. we're not just gonna slap it on randomly uh one day of the week um we will we will let people know mm. when that one is going to be tapped um but yeah like you say there are uh cans of one night in tokyo our sour ale with yuzu brewed in collaboration with virginia beer Co in the fridge right now waiting for you to come and get them that's Very right exciting uh in addition we have some pretty exciting cans hitting the fridge as well we had faction brewing show up which is the first yep. time in japan recently uh and a new another brewery first time in japan coming in is 21st amendment brewing or 21st amendment brewery i'm not sure exactly uh but we're getting similar to what we did with faction we're going to get a couple mix packs from them so basically everything uh, from them that is coming to Japan, we will have a few cans of. Wow. I'm pretty excited about that as well. 21st Amendment. I, I'm going to guess my American constitutional law isn't up to much. I'm going to guess it was the amendment that ended prohibition. 
Uh, I believe so. I am. I can't imagine what other amendment would be worth naming your brewery after. It lowered the voting age to eighteen. Uh, but yeah, Twenty First Amendment brewery, I believe, is uh, I believe Twenty First Amendment was um, uh, prohibition is over. Those both sound very exciting. Um, is there anything else exciting that's coming up on sale? Uh, in addition to our normal business, um, we are also uh, very soon going to be selling kegs, uh, not not just to regular people, but to bars and restaurants that want to serve craft beer. So that's a, that's a big step forward for us. We have an EC site set up that you can find uh, if you are a bar or restaurant owner. You can find if you go to our website, sakamichibrewing.com, there's a link to it. Um, and on there, you can sign up for an account. And as we release things, they'll show up on the site there and you can order them through there. Uh, so I don't know if any bar or restaurant owners listen to this, but I would imagine that most of our listeners go to bars and restaurants. So if you frequent a craft beer place in your area, let them know that uh, Sakamichi is going to be hitting the market. Exciting. The tax office have finally approved our labels. You bested them. Well, you we, outlasted we them. wore each other down <laughs> eventually. Um, and after a mere five meetings, they finally said okay to the six centimeter circle of paper that we affixed to the top of the keg caps. Uh, and so those will be going on sale very soon. I'm imagining very early next week uh, once everything is set up. Uh, we're going to have first batch, the pale ale that we brewed, uh, the first ever beer that we brewed on our system, and Big Ticket, mm. which is the second beer we ever brewed on our system uh, and is a classic American IPA. So go and harass your local bar owner and demand that they order some Sakamichi beer from us. Uh, both of those are available in fairly limited amounts. That is about all we have time for this week. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Sakamichi Nights. I have been Matthew Boynton, and we will see you again next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>